Welcome back to another episode of Sports Meets Money, where our business is sports. I'm your co-host, Med Raza, a.k.a. Mark and Medi, joined by my brother, Ale, a.k.a. Ale Suave. And today we're going to be getting into a sport that, uh, honestly, me and Ahmed are not really uh, well-versed in. Yeah, <laughs> not at all. Um, we we know about it from our friends who happen to gamble a lot, pretty much. That's about it. Yeah. Um, today's topic, bro, is uh, the Masters Golf Tournament, mm-hmm. home of the hideous green jacket. Uh, it, it looks pretty nice, man. Hey, who, how many people have that jacket? Yeah, what would you rather have, that or would you ha- rather have the Lombardi trophy on your fireplace? Okay. Keep it up. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm good on the green blazer. I'm fine on that. All right, so for those who don't know, the Masters is like the golf tournament. It's the big match. And uh, frankly, let's be honest off a rip, it's actually probably one of the most interesting things. Yeah. You know, we didn't come from this background. We watch usually watch a lot of team sports, if not combat sports. Yeah. So this is like our first time deep diving into what the world and culture is around golf and economics. Yeah. There's a lot of interesting stuff, Ale. And it was crazy how hard it was kinda to like piece everything together because of how like Yeah. How this event is set up basically. And it kind of like for anyone who's listened to these past few episodes, you can understand we have a not necessarily a rubric or template, but like we tend to follow certain basic topics. On the initial episode coverage of any sport, yeah. Like I'll start with the first one. We love to talk about obviously with business how much money you make. Broadcast revenue is usually one of the biggest sources of revenue. Yeah, but dude, so they don't make money domestically off broadcasting this. Like I don't, I don't get it. I don't necessarily understand why. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess because there's like there's so much integrity into like what's considered the gentleman's game. Yeah, and, uh, I heard some someone say like. They do it intentionally to, like, show the, I guess, prestige of the event and of this sport that they don't need the money. And and I'll get into the economics of it, but you were talking about the broadcasting, right? So, you know, what's so crazy about it besides them not making money off the domestic uh, rights? So, basically, normally any sport, we're getting local regional commercials. Mm-hmm. They're cheaper buys but companies get in so many of those to where smaller companies local law firms car dealerships advertise there's no local commercials there's only five companies that have commercial rights they pay a total of six million dollars each and they split four minutes of advertising every hour Mm -hmm. so you're paying six million dollars for 48 seconds an hour and those companies are at&t ibm ups mercedes-benz and the perpetual spirit itself Rolex. Mm. Now, here's a weird thing, right? You're probably wondering, Ali, how do companies advertise? Because mm-hmm. there's just not a lot of advertising opportunities that we mentioned. Yeah. Here's one cool thing I found out. According to one report, Ali, 77% of people actually have a second screen, iPad, other tablet that we're not actually sponsored for. Uh, I should probably have said that, but, um, you know, TVs, other laptops, they're usually watching something in, like concurrently. Yeah. So... If you don't want to buy ads on like a random highlight segment on a random sports channel, Mm -hmm. then you can actually go ahead and identify what are common like golf websites. Maybe somebody's looking at like a golf stats website to see what's going on with the different tee times and rounds, how certain people are doing at certain holes, or at least for that day or what's coming up for the forecast next day. 
Hmm. You can advertise on those websites by going on Google, which is one of the biggest advertising platforms on the internet, obviously, yeah. and looking up similar websites that are popular within the category. It's actually a good hmm. way for companies to advertise a lot cheaper. Yep. Now, they do make some TV revenue internationally. It's like at least eight or nine main countries and whatever other countries have smaller packages. It's about $25 million a year. But yeah. compared to what we see historically for this takes up a lot of people's time and eyeballs mm-hmm. domestically, they are leaving a good amount of money behind, honestly, dude. Yeah, uh, I just, you know, find it crazy how, like, they don't capitalize on that. You yeah, know? it's weird. I mean, like, so, I don't know, that's like the TV side of money. And, like, obviously, you know, we talked about how, like, just the culture of the money is different. So, like, considering you and I are both new to golf. Yeah. In terms of golf courses, right? Like the yeah. economics of it. What did you think was just like super interesting compared to what we know about like football field, soccer pitches, basketball courts, etc.? Yeah, I found uh it was hard to find a lot about this stuff actually. Like there wasn't like specific numbers out there cuz to start off Augusta is a private golf course. So it's a private club with uh how would you say it like upper echelon people and what I was able to find uh, from a superintendent in the industry of golf, uh, which his name is Terry Buchan. I hope I didn't b- butcher that name. Let's just run through five or six quick ones. Buchan, 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 Buchan. Yeah, Buchan. Yeah. All right, we got all of them covered, Terry. Forgive us. Yeah, yeah. So, which he's a very, uh, from what I saw, he's a very renowned uh, face in the golf community. But so with that being said, I found – that the average to maintain a private golf course is about a million eighty three thousand six hundred and forty seven dollars. Now, where does all that money uh, go to? Of course, it, it would be fifty six percent of this goes into their labor. Five percent goes to the fertilizer. Another five percent goes into leasing the uh, equipment that keeps up the grounds. Four percent goes into maintaining that equipment that they lease, and then another four percent goes to fungicides. Two percent goes to fuel and lubricants for the equipment. And I did find this little uh, little gem, uh, and that's that you know the the little flags and the tee markers and and ball washers that they have. All these little things that we don't take note of. They spend about four thousand dollars a year just on those types of things. Those golf course, man, I believe for labor, like, they have to be so pristine. Yeah. And then, like, so Augusta this year, I think it's, like, I forgot which hole, but it's, like, a par three course. They yeah. completely changed up what it is. It was a 13th hole. 13th hole, it's the par three, right? Yeah. Yeah, completely changed it up and stuff. So, like, just the cost of, like, designing it and stuff. Like, I'll get a little bit into, like, the a little bit of into the designing of it. But, like, there is a lot behind golf courses that, like, man, like, we got to go out there one day and go ask one of these experts. We There's a whole treasure trove of information. Yeah, there. well, yeah. Bet. Good luck doing that because if you want to go to this uh, beautiful golf course and even play in it, um, you have to, you know, if you're lucky enough, work there. And I heard they only had about like 18 to 25 people that maintain the course. Uh, or you can be good enough, hope to be good enough, and qualify for the Masters. Uh, you know, or you can pay the fee. And, uh, you know, the fee consists of $40,000 and it's a privately owned club that does not publish its accounts. In addition to this, you can expect 
to pay $4,000 in annual dues. On top of the expense, there's an extensive vetting process. And uh, I would imagine that's because you have, you're going to be playing with people like Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, and the list goes on. Yeah, you, know, crazy. you know, if you're going to play around and you have a tea time right after the Manning Brothers, you probably aren't allowed to say where you are oh, at. Right. Um, okay, so considering my best bet is likely the employee discount, if I wanted to play in Augusta National, what do I get? What's my employee discount? There is no discount. You get one free round a year. I get to, that's you only get to play once, and it's for free. But you only get to experience that course one time. I wonder how much Pebble Beach is in Carolina. I heard that's beautiful on the coast. <laughs> I'm just not no, thinking about I, golf I, courses. I've heard uh, Carolina's a, a beautiful place to be, but just never been. Yeah, great golf course is apparently. For real. Yeah, we should go check them out. Okay, so <laughs> all this exclusivity, barely letting people in. Um, $40,000 to get in the club. I mean, okay, so what's weird is like, and you said a lot of these clubs do this roughly. Yeah, that's so, just an average, you know. So the thing is, right, uh, we've been fortunate to uh, network around with some interesting people from time to time. Um, I have some people who have looked after me that I jokingly say that they're in the Illuminati. At yeah. least in the state of Texas. It feels like that around this sport. <laughs> yeah, especially like the uh, the Texas political connects that I've told you from time to time that I'm involved with. Yeah. So it's just like they tell me about these private clubs and like, yeah, it's all like it's not money's not good enough. It's about status. Yeah, I remember uh, one time I had a good friend of mine that was uh, in the Austin area that golfed at this uh, country club. And he was like, hey, if you ever want to, you know, and I, I, you know, I never took him up on, on this offer because I'm just not good at golf, bro. So I'm not going to show up to this country club on an invite, right? That it, it's pretty exclusive, but that's just the nature of this whole like sport, I guess. And it, it doesn't matter whether you're like a small club or a big club or a private club, they kind of all roll on the same principle of like being exclusive only allowing certain groups of people in, you know? Yeah, having to be recommended by several people who are members. It's right. very weird. To be fair, though, like, a lot of these golf courses, like, that's where a lot of the business handshakes and stuff go on, especially at the private clubs, yeah. which is interesting because, like, we grew up, like, we went to school across the street from a public golf course. That's true. In a neighborhood. Yeah. And it's so different because we've had friends who play there. I've had, you know, I was coaching in the area. Yeah. I had students go that was having practice. But then when you hear about West Austin, some and of how the hard it is to get in the country club experience, right? So it's like Lake Lion, Westlake, Spanish Oaks. Like, mm-hmm. there's some very prestigious ones. Spicewood has a great country club, apparently. I think I've been around there, but <laughs> they, we were there for delivering, we weren't there to hang yeah, out. Yeah, that's true. That's right. That's but all right, right. So, if everything is gatekeeping and stuff for members, what is it like for fans, bro? All right. And Let's just start it off like this. If you're even lucky enough to get a ticket, right? So the way this luck, go ahead. Yeah. The way this works is so first you have to sign up through the masters.com a year in advance to be even put into this lottery system that they have, which basically lottery, right? If you're lucky and your name gets picked, you have the opportunity of paying $115 for a one day ticket or $300 $300 for the weekend. But a lot of us don't don't ever win those. And most of the time, if, if you ever know about this, it's kind of a come up because a lot of people or some people decide, 
all right, I can buy this uh, weekend pass for 300 bucks and then go on StubHub and sell it for like 10,000 bucks. I was actually just about to ask, be honest, because we came from the sneakers app, Goat StockX platform. Yeah. Compare this to sneakers or StockX, bro. Hey, man, like, you get lucky, like, <laughs> like lottery system. Basically, this is basically the sa- same thing. You put your email, your name, your, your email, and hopefully next year you get picked. And if you do get picked, you better flip that ticket. <laughs> oh, unless you're a big fan, dude. I mean, I mean, and then it is a beautiful golf course, right? I don't know. Why. Uh, I feel like it's that, or you have to just know a member. I'm wondering if members get like some early access or something. I didn't hear any. Uh, so you know, you got the members of the club, and then the, the, there's these different, like, how would you say, like, uh, golf houses or clubhouses that you can pay to be a part of and uh i know they have this one house uh, it's at least eight thousand dollars to uh reserve it for the weekend and you can have up to a certain amount of people in there but each person that goes into that historic house has to pay that fee that eight thousand dollars jesus man okay but that's expensive but you said the tickets were relatively cheap from yeah, what you yeah, said so, so so for the for someone like us that if we get lucky enough, we're gonna pay one hundred fifteen dollars a day, or we can pay the two hundred to three hundred dollars for the weekend, is, Thursday to Sunday. So, is the rest of the weekend considered like relatively kind of uh, not say cheap, but like more price friendly compared to other sports? Like- hey, man, if you got a lady, <laughs> this is gonna be a, an amazing day. You got a beautiful view. The course is beautifully maintained year round, and then you're buying. You know what? What was crazy? about this was how much I heard about these sandwiches that they serve there. Uh, these, uh, I think uh, there the, was the pimento cheese, the ones. pimento cheese it's, sandwich. Every year it's on Twitter. Like, and look it, how cheap. It's and, and guess how much that one costs. They're saying it's cheap, but it's like a bougie, like, okay, I'm sorry. It's a prestigious club. Mm-hmm. What they're charging. I'm comparing it to like football stadiums right now. Well, already charging me 15 or 30 bucks for a sandwich. Nah, bro. I think, the the least you'll pay is a, a dollar fifty, and the most you'll pay is like four or five. So you're telling me a club that's so hard to get into that only the employees can play eighteen holes once a year? Yeah, <laughs> has Costco food court prices. Yeah, man, but they don't taste like it, and it's crazy. It's crazy. Although shout out to Costco food court, just saying, uh, we could use a sponsor. Yeah, but uh, you know the most expensive item on their menu, yeah, is five bucks, and that is for an imported beer. Five dollar imp- and then a four dollars domestic beer. <laughs> so I, I, I've been in a concession line at Cowboy Stadium to watch Mexico and Iceland playing soccer. When I looked around the menu, I can guarantee you import beer, even domestic beers. I think were like over ten bucks. I'm glad yeah. I was just getting my damn water bottle. And but- that's like one of the things is like if you're able to experience this, you'll be able to experience it at a, a at a fairly reasonable cost. You know. Okay, that's interesting. So, okay, so we talked about it's terrible to, like, get access to go. But Mm. once you get in there, it's fairly reasonable. Yeah. What else do I, like, let's say me and you go for the first time, right? Yeah. Definitely, I'm at least looking at a place um, the way I act sometimes. So, how are are people engaging with us? Like, what is, like, our day-to-day when we're there? Day-to-day, you know what? I, I heard, like, 
one of the main things that I heard from all these like travel sites and just the research that I did was like just the the awe that the whole course you know it, you know gives you like you're in a state of awe you know they put so much money into maintaining the course that you want to enjoy you want to at least see all like even just pass by all 18 holes and just see the beauty of it and besides doing that man uh, they have a very historic clubhouse. They have very historic other houses, but you got to pay to get in them. But the clubhouse, the main clubhouse, they have a lot of, uh, there's a lot of history be- behind uh, the clubhouse in Augusta. And uh, one of the main things that I saw from their YouTube channel was uh, their praise for Eisenhower and how the president, he used to golf there a lot. And he just, they felt like, they're, they're, they pay homage to him for putting not just Augusta on the map, but golf on the map. That That's what I saw from them. So you're going to go to the clubhouse and see a lot of that memorabilia and just a lot of history. And then you're going to enjoy the whole golf course, walk around, probably watch, you know, the players practice, shoot practice rounds all around. Uh, you're going to walk around and with a $5 beer and – Probably, hopefully, by then you filled out your little fantasy bracket, which is uh, sponsored by uh, IBM. And this was a, a, you know, as traditional as this event is, IBM tried to modernize it a bit in the sense of like instead of you just going walking around the clubhouse buying merchandise and buying these cheap sandwiches that are surprisingly good and buying five dollar beers. How about we make it a, just a little bit more exciting than you just going and sitting down with all this stuff? So they started this little fantasy competition, and the the one who has the best card wins $2,354. I don't know why it's valued at that, but on top of that, you win some uh, a flag signed by the tournament champion, a leather golf bag, and a dozen pieces of quote-unquote swag. I'm going to take a wild guess here. Mm. Specific price, very specific uh, things deemed swag. Given the crowd this attracts, I feel like this is more of like a before you have to claim tax on a gift situation. (laughs) Something by over $10,000, you have to claim gift tax, so maybe that's why. Mm, I don't know. I didn't even think about that. Think about the crowd it attracts, you know what I mean? And Speaking of the crowd, man, like there's this weird thing that they have here. So... After you get out of the clubhouse, most people, they buy the master's green chair. You have this chair, and before before the game, before they start shooting the uh, their shots and the first tee goes up or whatever, you know, like I said, we're not golf fans, but I hope I said it right. Before the game starts, before the event starts, people come out with these green chairs that they buy, and they set them up in one place that they want it to be, and they want it to stay there the whole day. So they have this weird little uh, rule in Augusta. You're going to leave this green chair is mine. It has my name on it. Right. I'm going to put it here. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to get me another $5 beer. I might walk down to the third hole. But if I want to come back to the first hole and see somebody else shoot, shoot their shot, whoever is sitting on that chair, which is allowed, you know, anybody can sit on that chair. But the owner of the chair, when he comes back, 
You better give me my chair. This definitely feels like an old gentleman's culture kind of club. Yeah, it's it's, it, it's crazy. They like, they were they were saying they were painting painting it like a like a like church, <laughs> like some type of religious. I I understand. So like nobody's allowed to stand. Everybody has to sit. So you see kneeling and sitting the whole event. Yeah. Um, yeah. The price you pay to be ten feet away from Tiger Woods, but no, it makes sense. <laughs> I mean, look, if Tiger's teeing off in the second round. Of like you know the tea times and everything, yeah. and I'm already up there. I'm seeing Bryson DeChambeau in the first uh, tee off round, and he's already on hole four. All right, well Tiger's going. Let me go walk over Let to hole go, three. Where I put my seat. Tiger's gonna have to walk across me. I got a good shot of him. Right. Probably with a seven iron. I don't know. Tiger, best dead center hitter I've seen ever. <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's interesting, dude. Like compared to sports that like we traditionally watch, you and I. Yeah. Where it's a lot of emphasis on newer technology, newer metrics. Everything's on these newer eras of everything. Trying their best to attract a younger crowd because if you attract a younger crowd, that's generally assumed they're going to have a longer lifetime than an older crowd. Yeah. More you can market to throughout their lifetime, obviously. The mm-hmm. NBA is a prime example. NBA has like the youngest fan base out of a lot of these sports. Yeah, that's true. This is like the complete opposite. It's very interesting. Yeah, uh, this event uh, prides themselves on like their, how do you say it? Like, prestige and heritage. Prestige slash, uh, how do you say it? Chicness? I don't know, man. It's you like, mentioned that, but it's definitely one of those upper echelon deals. It is. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. But what's crazy about it being labeled as such is like, you know, all these different events, uh, other PGA events that go on throughout the year. They make more money than this, uh, than Augusta. And let me get into the numbers. So, uh, coming at number one for their money getter is is their merchandise, and that actually brings in sixty nine million dollars. That brought that's what that brought in twenty twenty two. The badges to get in, there's about like forty to fifty thousand people that go and see this event. So thirty nine million with the badges, the international TV rights, which you did mention, twenty five million. The concessions, I thought this was crazy for them. One dollar, five dollar beers, man. Eight million dollars, and then uh, that just totals up to a hundred and forty-one million dollars. So we're thinking about major sports events like a single day, let alone a weekend. And some of those, they outpace eight million in alcohol, let alone total concessions. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, oh my god, like that's that's interesting. Okay, some merchandise, like. There's a lot of exclusivity. Do you know if like the merchandise is exclusive? Like you can only get certain things at Augusta. Like that chair, I can't unless I go to eBay. I can't get that chair, right? Yeah, that's true. That's that, there's that's no like online saying. golf shop for that. There, I don't think there is. And I know they have this one service uh, that you could buy it in the store, and you can have it shipped by one of their sponsors, which is UPS. Uh, was it UPS? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. All right. That's a. Uh... That's interesting how they get their money. Okay, so we just talked about how Augusta essentially makes their revenue, which is interesting, but I did some homework on how some of the players get their money. Okay. And this is a very interesting payout system compared to uh, what we, for us, we consider traditional sports, usually team sports, right. even combat sports. For those who don't know, yeah, me like and Ali are like massive fight fans. <laughs> we text each other in the middle of fights, usually in between rounds and stuff. Okay, mm-hmm. so as much as like in the future, like we probably will address how certain uh, 
golf organizations historically don't pay golfers. Mm. The Masters has a payout. Now, the official numbers for this year's purse has not been announced yet. Yeah. But we have last year's purse. Okay. Last year's purse was $15 million bucks, bro. The winner won Scotty Scheffler. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Texas X is at its finest. Right. Shout one, out. <laughs> hook them horns here. $2.7 million to go along with that iconic green jacket. And I think like a coin or something, like a commencement thing. <laughs> I like the way you said it. $2.7 million, a green jacket, and, and this one coin. Like, it's something. We are not golfers, people. <laughs> we, we grew up extremely poor learning Respect to do the terrible. history, okay? I will respect the culture of it before they kick us out of the country yeah. club. I got you. So I made a quick little table here, bro. So this is the payout for the top 10. All right. Scotty Scheffler, first place, got $2.7 million. Second place, $1.62 million. Third place was tied between two people, $870,000. Mm. Good pay for, you know, a weekend. Fifth place, $600,000. Sixth place, two-way tie, 521000 Eighth place, two-way tie, 450K. Mm. Tenth place, two-way tie, once again, 390000 They pay every single player. Wow. 50th place, bro, made about $37,000. People after made less, obviously. Is this so in every, like, what you say, like in another PGA event, do they pay every player? Or are they just So this isn't a PGA event. The Masters oh, is, no. like, considered an external championship event. Okay, so with... Do other golf events also pay every player, or is this just an anomaly? Some pay the first few. Mm-hmm. Recently, there's been more pay increases. Um, historically, PGA Tour events only pay the for the winner and maybe two or three people, but not most players actually have to rely on their sponsorships mm-hmm. and personal endorsements. Thing is, if you're a high end golfer, let's say top fifteen in the world. You're going to get endorsement deals of variety, like many other athletes would. And the top uh, golfers, the premier ones, if you will, make about 15, 40 million. All right. So, our guy, Jordan Spieth, you know, mm, another yeah. Texas X. Oh, yeah. We're, we're very pro Texas here. Um, about, I think, 25 million in total endorsements. Mm. And Tiger Woods, probably even more, honestly. Um, aside from recent, like 10 years ago, stuff that might have happened that cost him loses endorsements. Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting. And then also, there, it's not a sponsor, but I didn't want to include it. So we talked about like the par, the whole 13, the par three changing up a little bit this year. Yeah. There are many people who pay top golfers to come and design golf courses. Mm-hmm. So some of them get paid almost a consulting fee at providing the insights that only like a premier golfer would understand. Wow. Okay. So it's very interesting. Even like tree lining certain things where you think uh water hazard should go the bunkers all of that stuff oh wow so yeah it's very interesting but there is one thing that honestly my guy is probably one of the most interesting you mentioned traditions earlier yeah there is a tradition that the prior winner of the augusta national masters tournament i'm butchering name clearly <laughs> they set the menu for the green jacket dinner <laughs> so we mentioned, to give an example, you know, our boy Scotty Scheffler, mm-hmm. one uh, Highland Park, Dallas area alumnus. Yes, sir. Set his menu. This might be the most Texas Roadhouse themed menu <laughs> I've ever seen. But oh as a proud son of Texas, I will gladly go to this dinner. So, oh. Ale, let me break it down for you real quick. Appetizers, cheeseburger sliders, 
and then firecracker shrimp with some sweet Thai chili and sriracha mayo. Mm. Okay, starters, tortilla soup, avocados, some crispy blue tortilla strips, sour cream, cilantro, lime. Yeah. Now, this is where it gets really, really Texas. Texas ribeye steak or black and red fish served with family-style mac and cheese, jalapeno cream corn, fried Brussels sprouts, and seasoned fries. And for dessert, man, warm chocolate chip skillet cookies with milk and cookies ice cream. H-E-B, get on this, man. Y'all have all of that. (laughs) Here, everything's bad. You know what? I will give free promo to H-E-B whenever they... Whenever we have a natural disaster in Texas, H-E-B saves the day. They are the true FEMA, basically. Hey, I was actually wondering, uh, do you have uh, Tiger Woods? Like, I know he's won it before. Do you have oh, his? I got, like... I got you real quick. He won the last one in 2020. Hold up now. Right. So here's Tigers. He won- He had, for a starter, the uh, Augusta roll of tempura shrimp, spicy tuna, avocado, eel sauce, okay. tempura flakes, which I think is – Rikaki, that's the name of her, or Shishiko? I forgot to tell mm-hmm. that. Pickled ginger, wasabi, and soy sauce. Basically a great sushi roll. Main course, prime steak, and something we probably get along with, chicken yeah. fajitas. Okay. Grilled veggies, refried beans, Mexican rice. I, we just call it rice, but okay. Pico de gallo, sour cream, guacamole, flour tortillas. And for dessert, they got a trio going on here. They got flan, <laughs> churros, and sopapillas. So he went from like a sushi bar to steak, a Tex-Mex. Steak to Tex-Mex. Hey, you know what? I like it though. That sounds like a fire meal. You know what's the best meal I found though? What it? What is it? I'm not gonna lie, guys. It's Ramadan. I uh, you've been thinking about this all day, bro. I guess <laughs> it's like a 13 hour fast, no food, no water. This I is Muslims tend to enjoy on looking at Food Network. So <laughs> hey, 2022. Babe. I'm going to mispronounce this. I'm sorry, my boy. Um, Hideki or Hideki Matsuyama won in 2022 last year. Bro, oh. here is his great menu. First of all, assorted sushi. It's sashimi or sagiri and also some yakitori chicken skewers oh, to start. Okay. Great food. Yeah. Mizuyaki Wagyu is the main course. You also have A5 Wagyu beef ribeyes with a mix of mushrooms and vegetables. Oh, it's a to accompany it is some Sancho Daikon Ponzu. Okay. Dessert. You either have Japanese strawberry cheesecake or a fluffy sponge cake with whipped cream and some type of strawberries for dessert that I do not feel like butchering and disrespecting culture I'm of. I'm taking that sponge cake. That is. But, oh, man. That I'll take of, a strawberry cheesecake. Okay, here, just for fun, out of all three of those that we just mentioned, which one would you have? Which would you, which would you rather? Bro, I'm going with the Japanese one. I get sushi, I get yakitori, then I get some fu- beef eight, ribeyes. A wag- wagyu steak, and we still get a strawberry cheesecake. I don't know, man. I'm going to stick to my roots. I'm going to go with uh, Scheffler. Screw I'm technically from Asia. I'm sticking my roots. I'm going with the <laughs> Japanese guy. Yeah, man. I, I need that H-E-B on me. <laughs> According to my passport, H-E-B has sushi, all right? Relax. Yeah, I'm saying. It's bro, great saying, sushi, actually. No, nah, but dude. Mm. It just sounds like a good old home cook. I could make it at home. You know what's funny? You would think they would just go get like Gordon Ramsay cook this or get like a food sponsor. Right. But I know you did some homework on overall. We mentioned there's only a few sponsors. If you want to just take it away since you actually did the real homework behind these. Yeah. So speaking about sponsors, we're going to be talking about 
AT&T, Delta, IBM, Rolex, UPS, and Mercedes-Benz, which you did mention before. They all will total up to four minutes per hour in uh, advertisements. But each, uh, each sponsor, I feel like, plays a deliberate part into the Masters. Now, I will point out this, that the Masters has no signage and no ads on their courses. But the way that these sponsors are integrated, you can go ahead, go ahead. I'm just thinking about like the recent March Madness episode. Mm-hmm. If you follow a Sports and Twenty, feel free to check out our prior episodes. But like I mentioned in that one, like Coca Cola and even a beer company, you can sponsor courts. You can sponsor anything inside of like an arena and stadium. So like, but in golf, you can't do that. I not think, on, the, on these courses, man. No, maybe not just Augusta. I feel like others. Like, I'm sorry, the culture shock thing we've talked about a little bit, but like, continue, bro. Yeah. So. I know Delta, they had a message uh, for when they first uh, announced their sponsor, their partnership with the Masters. And their goal for their partnerships is to integrate this uh, international community of fans. So I heard that any fan that is uh, traveling abroad from like international countries and they're going to the Masters, they get catered with these exclusive, um, how do I say it? Like accommodations. Yeah, like accommodations. There you go. Like they get these exclusive accommodations. And I also spoke about UPS earlier and how when you go buy something in the clubhouse, now they offer this service through UPS that can ship that merch to your house. And there's a certain bald billionaire who's pretty jealous of that right now. Right. And uh, I was looking into Mercedes-Benz, like a little presser of like, how they're so excited about teaming up with the masters. And the main thing that I saw was like, we want to show the world that we have cars for each and every individual, different types of individual. We got the E class. We got the C class. We got the AMG. We, got- <laughs> we have the classes for people who can't afford to come here. That's exactly. I'm saying, okay. And that kind of rolls into this next one, IBM, which, you know, would you think that, I guess a high uh someone who just graduated high school or even going into college, do you think somebody they somebody like that would know about IBM? In twenty twenty three? I mean if you're wearing a comp sci or even <laughs> business intelligence major, probably yeah. not. I feel like when we were kids we knew it better. Yeah. Unless like you watched Jeopardy, you've heard of IBM through Watson. So I think that would be it. Like I don't think a lot of like people nowadays have heard of it right so to me it was like kind of crazy how they like teamed up but i guess ibm wants uh wants the world to know uh that it 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 can infiltrate and communicate with any audience and it does this by uh using the social media apps to provide in-depth analysis uh on concerning the course and the players that are in the tournament, hosting various potential and current clients at the tournament and airing 50 new TV spots. So, okay, that does make sense. I mean, like, IBM historically, right, is, like, so central to the idea of even, like, operating systems, but also they do provide a lot of key insights and build clouds and, like, they provide a lot of like business tech intelligence platforms. And it's basically so showing through sports what they could do 
for your business. The power of IBM, essentially. Basically. And that's actually, that's pretty smart, actually. You know, with the prestige of this event, you know, what type of people are watching this? What type of people are going to this event? Right, corporate people basically. That's what who I'm could saying. use some IBM. You got Warren Buffett that's already members of this club. So IBM said, "All right, we're not into. We're not saying that we want to get into the sports market, but we're doing this because we feel like the people that are at this event could resonate with this information." Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, just compared to other things we know about, Thursday night football is on a certain platform, and the analytics for all of professional football is made by the same company that hosts the. Thursday night football platform advertised right. their analytical ability. So this kind of does make some sense, honestly. Yeah. It's a similar way, just a different target market, you know? Yeah. I'm saying like, now we talk about Rolex. What Love type it. of people buy Rolexes? Love talking about Rolexes. Let, I'm going to let you take that one. Go talk about so, Rolex. <laughs> just my favorite Rolex or like the actual business of it. Well, see, uh, probably my first Rolex will be the Oyster Perpetual because I know that's one that I'll probably be able to afford. To. I am a massive. I'll probably go with something basic. GMT2, Master 2, Batman, or even the Hulk. You know, something cool like that. Maybe the Pepsi Dial. <laughs> but the Sky Dweller is my favorite Rolex of all time. Of oh, man. That's a goal right there. Hey, man. Just... I am an Arab stereotype, people. Okay, let's just say that when it comes to money. So here's the deal. Rolex, actually, not to diminish anything from any of the other sponsors, I think Rolex makes the most sense for what this event seems to be from our recent research. Yeah, it's like it's more of like when you see Rolex at an event, like we see it in tennis, now we see it in golf. It kind of tells you, like, this is a different level. Yeah, so like, so Rolex, right, with the – like I mentioned earlier, perpetual spirit. It's one of their key words in their mission statement as a company. Yeah. You know, part of their prestige and branding. It's originally watches that were made for certain sports, you know, polo, yachting and boating and racing and stuff like that. Some sort of horse racing. Yeah. That's why the early Rolexes, even some of them have historically been like sports watches. You don't necessarily wear them with the suit. But yeah. over time, they've kind of been adopted to be such a status thing. You it put it on with the suit. You know yeah. what I mean? But, like, there's a heritage of sport behind Rolex. But the fact that they advertise here, you mentioned tennis, polo grounds, yachting, stuff like that, typically. It's because it's like a weird – this is pretty much the marketing medibag here. Um, there's four different types of what we call segmentation. Okay. And basically, there's a principle called – or a system called STP, segmenting, targeting, positioning. Segmentation is the first one. Segmentation is how do we break something up. So let's say you and I are sitting at the Rolex board, right? fabulous watches all across yeah. um and we're deciding we want to market through sports if you said hey med you're the marketing guy how do we figure out how to market through what sports well i need to look at what the value of our company is right how do we prefer this yeah. since we try to go by clientele of a certain lifestyle at rolex yeah. we're going to try to segment to people who meet a similar lifestyle so let's go through the rolodex the big circle of all the sports mm. you cut that by whatever different segments are by lifestyle i believe that's called psychographics there's four or five main ways. It's regional, which is geographic, behavioral, psychographics, and then demographics. I'm taking notes. I got you. Yeah. So psychographics, I'll, I'll send you the PDF. I still got all my class notes, basically. <laughs> um, psychographics are your lifestyle statements, right? Things you enjoy, certain activities you like yeah. to do, and whether you're conservative, liberal, recycling, not recycling, those kind of statements about your lifestyle. Wow, okay. Build a customer profile. We call it customer avatar. 
Rolex does a good job with their advertising because they're segmenting to what their core avatar would be. Somebody who enjoys these leisurely activities of gentleman sports, if you will. Mm. So it makes sense. And then you target that certain segment once you have it. And then you position yourself based on that target market. It goes into these ideas of these upper class, upper echelon words, the perpetual spirit, ideas of self-actualization and stuff like that. So Rolex does a good job. You know, I don't think Rolex would fit in well if they did the uh, the local seven on seven high school football league. You know what I mean? <laughs> At least in Central Texas. Right. So like compared to other things, like or even MMA at times, as blood sport and gruesome as it can be, yeah, this gentleman's get, leisure seems to be more of the Rolex. You don't want to get that watch dirty. Yeah. <laughs> now think about where Red Bull. For example, for any listeners there, where Red Bull might be opposite, right? You go off your segmentation. So Rolex is a proper strategy of segmenting, targeting, and then positioning yourself within that target market. Now that you mention that, it does make make sense. Like you see that that trend with them in certain sports. Like you just see this; those are the type of people, the people that enjoy those type of sports. You could see those people wearing that watch. Yeah, and they fit into the box of each of those specific sports. There's natural overlap. Basically, you as a marketer want to go ahead and make sure that the avenues you use to market, mm-hmm. whether it's your distribution or your promotions in this case, yeah, all of it aligns with your core mission and values. That's why some companies mess up and they spend years trying to rebrand. There's some companies that have perfect brand reputations because they abide by their principles and That's follow good. these rules, which Rolex historically has done. Yeah. And, you know, that kind of just rolls into the fact like, we talk about IBM, we talk about Rolex and how like how would somebody our age or somebody younger than us look at these uh look at these types of sponsors and could they even afford to be a part of those types of niche demographics, if you will. Yeah. I think it's interesting because like we mentioned, this is more of a gentleman's upper echelon, old school traditional sport. I mean it's kind of like a culture shock for us. It really is. I mean, because think about it, right? It's it's basically gatekeeping to get into some of these country clubs anyways. Yep. Let's just be honest. Yeah, that's what it feels so, like. So even if we come up with money, we might not be considered the type of money that would be allowed. Right, because maybe Warren Buff and Bill Gates doesn't want to be golfing. I don't with. know if Bill Gates wants me around. I, uh, right. <laughs> I get along more with 50 Cent than so Bill who Gates. Who are these guys? Right. Okay. I'm getting us kicked out of the country, basically. If you want a culture shock... I would basically be Will Smith in Fresh Prince at every country club they went to. That's how I would very much be. It's not going to be pretty for us in the brand. Why they got buffalo wings on the on the course, man? That probably be thirty dollars for nachos. What? Sorry. Yeah, but um, but no, seriously. So as far as the culture shock, like, I think it's interesting. And as we kind of explore like different sports, because we focus on like when we say the economics of sports, there's the general ideas. Uh, but then there's the very niche aspects of both business and the very niche stuff within sports. Yeah. So I think this is like as our first true exploration into something that's like what sounds like pretty much foreign territory right. to us. First, we've never we don't we don't golf. No, nothing about golf. Second, now we're kind of finally realizing maybe why we don't because we're not wearing Rolexes and using IBM. Yeah, we uh, we're not the target market. And for years, we just assumed, oh, we just don't like it because what a pace seems to be and stuff. Apparently, it's all built around a specific target market of individuals. We can easily get into it. We might honestly go check out some events in the future because it looks interesting, the culture of it. Yeah. But yeah, no, as far as the culture shock stuff, like 
very eye-opening. And, like, what do you think compared to, like, because um, let's talk about just individual sports, right? Yeah. So maybe some tennis. I don't know what else you watch individually other than, like, combat sports usually. Yeah. So you come from a background especially. You have a family background within yeah. actual combat sports. So as an individual sport, how would you compare that culture in the gyms, the ring, all that stuff <laughs> to the individualistic culture of a golf course in the Masters? Well, first of all, in boxing, if you got the heart, the will, and the money to be in a gym, you're in. Yeah. But with golf, you got to have the status, you got to have the money, and you got to love what you do, right? You got to love the golf to pay that $40,000 fee and $4,000 annual fee to be even be a part of that type of club. Here, you pay a monthly subscription to be a part of the, the gym. And you just put in a lot of work, sweat, blood, and tears into it, and reap the rewards of it, hopefully. Hopefully. That's interesting. I mean, yeah, I just – ultimately, we can sum it up to be that the Masters is something I feel like everyone should check out because the broadcasts are so weird. It doesn't feel like a TV product the way a lot of – at least the professional sports become. Right. And then just the nature of it, like – it seems to be fan based, a lot of fan interaction yeah. and like fan based culture. It's just more exclusive to like get into the club. That's the only thing. That's your only thing. It's the bare to entry. Yeah. Overall, like, yeah, I would say it's a pretty damn big culture shock for me. Would you probably? It agree? is, man. I mean, <clears throat> just talking about the difference between being in a boxing gym versus trying to get into a club like this. It's definitely like. You, you can't have those separate types of mindsets to be in one or, you know, what golfer would want to be in a boxing gym and what boxer thinks of being in a, on a golf course. So, all that being said, that is another installation of Sports Meets Money. I'm your co-host, Ale, a.k.a. Ale Suave, here with my brother. Med, a.k.a. Marketing Medi. And that was another episode of Sports Meets Money. <laughs>